Stadium Drive, episode four, Wyatt. We have some exciting news. We have some disappointing outcomes in postseason. But I think first and foremost, we have to start with the most exciting, which is the fact that our QB1 is coming back for another season. What does it mean for the fan base? What can they expect to see out of JTrav? And what does it mean for this team going into next year? Yeah, I think it's it's obviously exciting for us as Florida State fans to have QB1 back, Jordan Travis, gives us consistency at the quarterback position that we haven't had from season to season since I would have to venture to say Jameis Winston from 2013 and 2014. It was a stretch of Everett Golson to Sean McGuire to James Blackman to DeAndre Francois. Uh, back and forth every single season, it seemed like we didn't have that consistency at that position, and now he gets to come back, and it feels like after a 9-3 and and potentially a 10-3 and season, now we can actually build on that success. It doesn't feel like we're reshuffling the deck and having to learn with a new quarterback at the helm. Totally. And we've talked so much, too, about how Coach Norvell has brought, bought his players in and changed the culture. But Jay Trav has been a huge component to that. You saw him be such a team guy in his interviews on the sidelines when he wasn't in the game. And now for him to be returning, I just feel like it's going to build to that culture that much more. And it's going to set us up for so much success next year. Couldn't agree more. I think he's just one of those guys that when he – He's grown into that person that when he talks, guys follow, guys listen. And the team believes they can win every time he takes the field. And in the bigger picture, right, why do you think for him, what is his big motivation for staying? I know you know it. We talk about it, but I just want to hear you say it on the pod. Well, I think Jordan is setting himself up to come back and compete for a national championship. I think if he would have opted in to go for the draft, I think there's probably five, six, seven guys at the quarterback position ahead of him right now, looking at guys like right. CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Max Duggan, even Bo Nix from Oregon, guys that have been high prospects for a long time with a lot of pedigree. He comes back for a chance at potentially competing for a national championship, an ACC championship, and when all is said and done, I think he has a chance to potentially put together a Heisman campaign. Um, I, I, 100%. He, he has everything on the schedule. He has all the tools at his disposal in terms of weapons in the offense to put up the numbers and to have those games in the season that set him up for Heisman. Absolutely. Oh, it's so exciting. I think that he's definitely got a shot. And I think that we're are so on the come up and it feels now that we can kind of have hope that next season is definitely going to be, you know, building off of this season. We're not going to, you know, fall down and, you know, try to refine our QB1. So it just feel like it really solidifies Florida State football now and in our recent future. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Season starts off with a meeting against LSU, a rematch from the epic game from this season, likely going to be a top 15, if we're lucky, a top 10 matchup in Camping mm -hmm. World to start the season against another Heisman hopeful in Jaden Daniels. If he can start their year off by beating him, he has an opportunity to build his resume from jump. He's going to potentially face a ranked Clemson team in Death Valley. Mm -hmm. Last time a quarterback went into a ranked game against a Death Valley team, Jameis Winston, won a Heisman, right? Completely so blew out Clemson and ended their championship hopes. If he can beat Miami again, if he can beat Florida again and sweep the state, go to an ACC championship game, which who knows who we play there. It could be North Carolina with Drake May, another top draft prospect, yeah. potentially Clemson, depending on where they end up. And then if he gets us into a college football playoff, I think anything can happen. I think if he has the numbers, if he has all those wins, I think he's putting himself – in consideration to be a top first round, second round draft pick. 
Let's get it. And looking at those ACC awards, he was behind Drake May, went second team ACC. But, you know, you have to consider the fact that there's not multiple quarterbacks on the first the first team. And Drake May had a fantastic season. Like you said, he's a player that's been watched throughout his career. Jordan Travis is really emerging this year. Um, so, you know, what is it just for him to have that accomplishment as well and all of the players that did make that all ACC team selection? It's just good to see our names in the postseason awards. I think the biggest one for me was seeing Dylan Gibbons on the first team all ACC. It's just great to have an offensive lineman being honored because that's been our Achilles heel for years. Yeah, not only him, but Dimitri Emanuel too, offensive guard. He was named to the third team all ACC, and that's just another person on our offensive line that held it down for us. Yeah, it's it's the most improved part of our team, no doubt. I mean, there have been there were stretches in Florida State's, you know, seasons where it was just every year it felt like a turnstile at the offensive line, whether it be injuries, whether it just be recruits that didn't pan out or transfers didn't pan out. Mike Norvell and Coach Atkins have finally figured that problem out, and now we are producing top talent at that position, and the whole offense flows through that because of the success we've had up front. Jared Verse winning the AP ACC Newcomer of the Year. No surprise. He had 14 and a half tackles for loss and seven and a half quarterback sacks. But that just proves that much more that not only were we a threat on offense all season, but defense too. Yeah, Jared Verse winning that award, I think, solidifies one that he's a great player. He's a great talent. He's probably going to be a first round draft pick, whether it's this year's draft or whether he comes back and goes next year. He's a day one guy, no question about it. But it also solidifies how much Mike Norvell has created like a pipeline with the transfer portal. He's now done it with Jared Verse and Jermaine Johnson, where he's found marquee players in the portal, brought them to his team, and they've had immediate success. Jared Verse is a perfect example of why Mike Norvell has mastered the transfer portal. And I think we're probably going to find another stud in the portal this year too. We're going to be able to see those 15 ACC players, Wyatt, in this bowl game that we have upcoming, the Cheez-It Bowl. And we're playing Oklahoma. Seems like a team we can beat if you ask me. Oklahoma, the big name brand. Everybody's scared of big, bad Oklahoma, but no, they're six and six. One of the worst defenses in football. I think our offense has a potentially... 250-yard rushing type day against Oklahoma. Jordan Travis probably going to throw for or probably a mount, probably 350 total yards of offense. This is a, a runaway game for the Knolls. I think it's a chance for Mike Norvell to put an exclamation point on this season and build a ton of momentum going into the offseason at 10-3. and three. I was just going to say, and I mean, Oklahoma 6-6, six and six, but they're 3-6 and six in the conference. They finished 8th in the Big 12, Wyatt. They really didn't produce much at all. But as you said, they are such a name brand football team. They have the fourth most all-time appearances in bowl games with 56. Like this win, I think will, like you said, put such an exclamation point on this season and show that Florida State is a force to be reckoned with, even if Oklahoma didn't have a great season. Yeah, I think after a few years go by, I think we're going to forget what Oklahoma's record was in this game. But you're going to see Florida State beats Oklahoma by 30 in the Cheez-It Bowl, and people are going to be like, yeah, that was a dominant game. And Brent Venables, his first year as the head coach there, out of, out of the defensive coordinator from Clemson, he's had a rough year. I mean, he loses his quarterback and goes to play at USC with Lincoln Riley. They're clearly a rebuilding program. But again, I don't really care. We're right. going to go up there. We're going to go out, we're going to go out there. I don't care if you're rebuilding. We're going to go on there, roll by 30 points, and call it a day. 
and hopefully get <laughs> I don't out. care if you're rebuilding because we're on the war path. And- yeah, we've been rebuilding for six years. All right. Don't I don't want to hear any sob stories. Correct. We've done nothing but rebuild. Nothing That's but right. rebuild. And now it's our time. I want to see I want to see uh, Mike Norvell get dunked with the cheese at Gatorade bath. I, I'm I'm very excited. Uh, that's what you know. I don't know if you've seen this before. They literally put a a gallon of Cheez-Its in the Gatorade bottles or the Gatorade you know coolers, and they dunk them over Mike Norvell. So I'm very excited about that. Hopefully, we change them from Gatorade to Powerade because obviously. I was just gonna say I think they should do Powerade for us, especially with Odell Higgins on the sideline. He does not do Gatorade. No, he will. He will throw those coolers literally in the garbage can. Like he will not allow them on the sideline whatsoever. <laughs> I'm so excited. December 29th, 5:30 p.m. You can see it all go down. On a less light note, Wyatt, Florida State soccer losing in the College Cup to UNC in Cary, North Carolina, didn't even feel like a neutral site. Score was three to two, but FSU didn't even score until the 67th minute. What are the takeaways? It's disappointing because this team obviously is talented enough to win a national championship, but that North Carolina team was darn good. And we talked about it before the game started in in last week's episode that it's a tough draw. Like it's a tough draw playing a team you've already played twice in the regular season, the conference championship, and then obviously now in the final four. So to see a team that many times, they know how to scheme against you. They've seen your strengths. They've seen your weaknesses. So it's just a, it's a tough team to play against. And like you said, playing in Cary, North Carolina, it seemed like 80%, 90% of the crowd was North Carolina, Carolina blue everywhere. And when you go down two or three goals, uh, the fact that they came back and rallied, I think, is a testament to the character that these players have, um, the fight that they have, um, and just how, how hard this team plays for each other. And I couldn't be more proud of, of the way they finished. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that when you're sitting there in the 66th minute and you're seeing the three to zero on the screen, you're just thinking, man, this this team ran out of gas. I know that that's what I was thinking. And that was so upsetting because it's like, you know that they have more talent than this, right? But Oni Achikini scores the goal in the 67th minute and everything lights up, and then they do it again. I think I want to say less than 10 minutes later, another goal, and then we're right back in the game. And then at least throughout those final minutes, we had an exciting matchup. And, again, all thanks to Oni Echigini, scored that first goal, assisted the second. Yep. Now, Echigini, an incredible an incredible game against North Carolina. She was really a player that I think was underappreciated in terms of like a national recognition or a conference recognition at the end of the year a player that had an incredible season, didn't get necessarily the accolades, but somebody who refused to quit, refused to go away into the night and kept her team alive all the way down to the final minute. She was just so awesome for us and was a force every game, stayed so conditioned. Her and Jody Brown were such a duo at the top there. She was not selected to the all-coaches team or first-team all-ACC, had the only hat trick on the team, one of the very few, if any, I think, in – the entire conference and, you know, just couldn't be more grateful for her and her presence this season. And, you know, hopefully she'll come back. She's got another year of eligibility. And I think she will. I think the only players I know for a fact are planning on not coming back are Jenna Nicewonger uh, and then Claire Robbins. Obviously her eligibility has finally run out, unfortunately, after being here mm-hmm. for seven years at Florida State. Uh, but I think everyone else comes back. I mean, you're going to get your goalkeeper back. You're going to get your entire defensive back line back. You're going to get, potentially Leilani back. You're going to yeah. bring back Jody Brown. You're going to bring back uh, Echigini, Beata Olsen. I mean, you got 
basically every position covered except for maybe a few, uh, few key ones. But this team gets a chance to run it back, and we'll be interested to see what Brian Pinsky either recruits or brings into the transfer portal to reload and take another crack at it. Oh, it's so exciting. I love these girls. And honestly, I just want to talk to you a little bit about Christina Roque and the leader she is, Wyatt. I haven't seen her, you know, lose like that, really. You know, her being down 3 nothing is, you know, something that hasn't happened to her entire career. But in the postseason like that, I think that that was obviously probably very tough for her but the way that she led her team nonetheless she stayed so calm she was right there for those younger players when they were really upset with the loss and she was just such a leader you saw it on that rollout she's hugging her players and I just think that she is such a special player for Florida State soccer and really we were nothing without her this season no she's been incredible I think what that's her second or third loss ever as a goalkeeper in college soccer. I mean, that let that sink in. She's played here for three years, and she's had two or three losses in the net, which is unbelievable. Uh, she didn't have a loss until that uh, North Carolina match earlier this year. And, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. To see her walk up to players after the game, and you know she's hurting too. Like, you know she's down and she feels terrible. But at the same time, she's prioritizing – the feelings of her teammates and prioritizing what they're going through. Cause she knows she's coming back, but for the people like nice or for the people like Clara Robbins that aren't going to be able to come back and, and chase this next year, she really wanted to be there for them um, and kind of just support them in that loss and, and pick them up. And, and that's what you want to see from your goalkeeper. And clearly, you know, she doesn't seem that vocal. She seems kind of qu- more quiet, but when you see her in those moments, it just pulls back the curtain on her a little bit and you just see how special of an athlete she is. Wyatt, another disappointing loss. FSU Volleyball went to Minnesota, played in that massive arena against Northern Iowa, lost in three sets, but had a really close first set, an unfair call towards the end of the game. I know that you were fired up about that. Let's talk a little bit about that match. Yeah, I felt like that first set took a lot of the wind out of the sails of the Florida State Volleyball team. There was a – I couldn't remember specifically if it was – if it was tied at, at match or set point, excuse me, or if it was a point and then this would have, you know, forced a tie at the set point. Uh, but basically Northern Iowa hits it off the hands of Emily Ryan. Allegedly <laughs> there's no replay, which completely stuns me. Cause I'm sitting here as a, as a producer thinking, Hey, this is, this is an NCAA tournament match. This decides who advances in a postseason tournament. And this is a call that fans need to see. You need to document the game and show that replay. And I know they have net cameras set up. I know they have things that you can show. And I know it was an ESPN Plus show, so they probably didn't have the same cameras you'll see in the championship games or whatnot. But you have to show the replay. you got to show something. They didn't show it. And then two points later, Northern Iowa Steel set one after Florida State led late. And I just think that completely deflated us. Um, and, you know, it's, it's frustrating. Maybe CP should challenge that play. Um, but – Either way, the fact that there's no there's no replay at all from the broadcast end left me as a fan thinking, hey, can I? Are we sure we got that right? I need to see that, and I think that that is that's the time. You know, volleyball is so replay heavy, but that's the time where you need the replay, right? You want to see every look because you got to know. You know, as a fan, like you know that the the refs are looking at it, but you want to you want to know. You want to you know be there and feel that especially if you're a family that can't go and be there and I know that you know Emily's parents they're watching her last game and 
this is what's going down. You don't think they want to see if she had a touch on that ball? 100% they did. And CP, I think one thing that he's exceptional at is calling challenges. If there was a stat for the challenge ratio that he won to lost this season, genuinely, Wyatt, it would be really high. He's very good at those challenges. And when Emily's sitting there stunned, saying, there's no way I touched that ball, I am so surprised that he didn't pull the challenge. Yeah, me too. Uh, but again, as, as he's probably thinking, hey, you know, let's – we, we can play through this set. Let's just, we'll, we'll be fine. But right. after that, that point happened, Northern Iowa, I think, I don't think he took into account how much momentum it gave that team. I don't right. think he was necessarily worried about his team responding after that point, but Northern Iowa just caught fire and, and stole the set right from him. But, yeah. I mean, this is, it's, it's unfortunate with, with volleyball because they've obviously great that they got there, but they really like, took them down to the wire to make the NCAA tournament because of all the injury. We talked about this at nauseum on the show already, but just the amount of injuries and things they had to overcome. Um, so for them to even just get there, I think was awesome and they yeah. should be proud of that. And fortunately for Florida state fans, this team has a ton of pieces and a ton of players that we can build around and, and run this thing back next year. Who are you most excited about seeing take that next step next year? I know we talked a lot about Audrey Rothman, but who are some of the young players that I think are coming back that we can be excited about? Well, both Audrey's, Audrey Koenig and Audrey Rothman, both of them are key staple players for us. And I think that if Florida State had a little bit of a better record, Audrey Koenig would have been a first-team All-ACC member, no question. Um, She was so fantastic for us. She was our rock. Um, And I think one area that she can improve a little bit on and will is talking in her serve receive. She gets a little bit mixed up sometimes. And and that is only a result of, you know, the team gelling. And it's really hard to develop that gel when most of your team is hurt all the time. And you're the player that is constantly out there. Thank God she was healthy all season and could compete back there. But when you've got new players that you're next to in serve receive, it's hard to step up. But I think going into her junior year, she's really going to be able to take that next step as a leader and say, no, we're not going to let these balls drop in serve receive. And we're not going to be mixed up in serve receive either. We're making perfect passes and we're going to do it well. And I know that she's going to be able to step up as that leader. So I'm really excited for her to step into that role. But As you know, I am so high on setters. I think that they are so, so, so very important. You cannot have a game without them. So for Angelia Droskovich, I could not be more excited that she's got another year of eligibility. She is so fantastic. She's such an athlete. She's such a competitor. She brings so much passion to the court. And I think that that's what this Florida State team needs because with Chris Poole at the helm and the players that he recruits, he recruits calm, demeanored players, which is great. But you also need that fire, and she is that fire. Yeah, very excited for what this volleyball team has the potential to be next year. Obviously, it's going to stink seeing players like Emma Clothier, players like Emily Ryan in the middle, you know, step away. But fortunately for Florida State, that's the strength that we've always had under Chris Poole. We've always been able to recruit and find middles to come play that system. Um, so hopefully we can – either recruit or bring in a transfer at that at those positions and kind of reload there. But, I mean, the names of Audrey Rothman, Audrey Koenig, Corey Lewis, Emory Dupes, all of them coming back with, with Droskovich. I think that's a great core for us to go back and potentially have a better year, hopefully, fingers crossed, that we all stay healthy uh, and be able to play from start to finish. 
Looking forward, Wyatt, our winter teams, women's basketball still on their warpath, still dominating, and we've got one of their players joining us next episode. It is the Kentucky transfer, our impact player, Jasmine Massengill. She is going to be so much fun to talk to. I've talked to her before games already, and she is such a talker, such a personality, and I can't wait to have her on. Yeah, Brooke Wyckoff said to me in our first preseason meeting before our first broadcast that she's the best floor general she's ever coached. And I'm thinking in my brain, I'm like, I've seen some pretty, seen some pretty good point guards come through here, Coach Brooke. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. That's, that's, that's a pretty bold take. I've seen people like Brittany Brown and Nikki Akamu and Naja Wolfolk. And hey, if, yeah. if she's up there with them, I mean, this, we got ourselves a got ourselves a baller. So I can't wait to pick her brain and kind of look behind the curtain a little bit of that team and, you know, get some inside knowledge on why they're having such success and how they're really gelling because they look to have a lot of fun out there on the basketball court. Yeah, they do. All 10 of them. And I am just so excited for us to get one, bring her on, find out a little bit more about what's going down in Florida State Women's Hoops. So that wraps up episode four. That's what's going down in Florida State Athletics. Wyatt, fun as always. Great having you here. Couldn't do it without you, my friend. For Wyatt, I'm Alex. As always, go Noles. Go Noles. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.